Hello and welcome to the learning experience brought to you by Trainers Forum. Hosted by myself, Oscar, and Enlade. Hi everyone, this is Oscar and I will explore the science and art of learning and learning in non-formal education. So buckle up and enjoy this episode. What uh, we're going to talk about today is learning and innovation. And with me today, I have Artnar and Magdalena. Magdalena is a PhD student in innovation and entrepreneurship at the University of Iceland. And she's also the founder of Hacking Hekla. And Artnar is the founder of East of Moon, the company here in Iceland. So I would like to ask both of you if you can tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, uh, yeah, so I'm from Iceland uh, originally. Uh, I've lived in, in several different countries. Um, I have been involved in technology and creative fields for most part. I've been sort of a hacker in the sense of like using programming and code and software to do experiments and projects. Um, I've never studied uh, programming uh, officially. Uh, I studied literature and filmmaking. I founded, among others, a, a crowdfunding company called Carolina Fund, which is like an Icelandic platform. Um, and later I went out to be a manager of the Blue Bank in the West Fjords of Iceland. This is like an innovation hub in a remote community. And in the, yeah, for a little while I've been um, setting up this new company called East of Moon, which is a laboratory for mission-oriented innovation, um, which is kind of working a bit um, on the somewhere in between practical applications of, of creating things and knowledge um, creation. So maybe not completely academic, uh, but and not, not completely a business, but somewhere in between those things. And we do kind of have various projects ongoing that we're working on. If we start with the name East of Moon, it's borrowed from a motif in uh, mostly Nordic folklore and, uh, and stories, where sometimes magically the people in the story are transported to a place called East of the Sun and West of the Moon. And I think in the concept of this type of uh, literature, it's like a place that isn't possible. And usually what happens in these stories is that something happens there which defies the logic and the norms of the world that we know today. And this is kind of, this is what we look towards in innovation of, of being a, a place let's say innovation and creativity a place to defy the, the norms of that you of the present reality um, somewhere between dream and, and wake wakefulness so what kind of learning do we do I mean it, it, it's a it, it, it's an op, it's an enterprise for 
for knowledge creation to be for sure. So for example, um, one project that we're doing now, which Matalena is collaborating with me on, is we are working, we're doing a research and development project on um, what forms and methods can be used to grow ecosystems of innovation in remote and rural areas. It's a two-year project. So there's a lot of studying and a lot of experimentation and a lot of learning from others and uh, and disseminating uh, learnings that is going into that project. Um, another thing that East of Moon is also doing is developing this platform called Hugmyndathorp or, or Village of Ideas, which is a digital platform for community co-creation, um, which is used in hackathons, such as Hacking Hackla. And this is a venue to bring minds together and share really experimentation ideas, um, give each other feedback. So it's a, in, in many aspects, aspects it can be seen as a, a learning, experimental learning tool. Um, I think that we are in a time now where we used to think about learning as being something we did in a certain part of our lives. So that we'd like go to school and then we'd apply the things we know in school. Um, where as we are now in a time that, that that's been turned on its head in, in reality. So, you know, engaging in most fields, um, at least let's say creative uh, fields, you're constantly trying to learn something new and trying to further what you understand and what you what your capabilities are. And not only that, but um, work to such a bigger part in in today's world is also about teaching. So, if you are not able to transmit you what you know to your colleagues or your associates or or the people around you, um, you you can't be effective. So, so both learning and teaching are just a constant part of of anything in a, in a creative field. Thank you for this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm an ed educator myself and uh, it's super nice to hear this um, like non-formal education ideas, something that is not in the formal learning because uh, in, the, in the job market and from my experience and from experiences of my friend, uh, the, the new companies and the companies that already uh, are hiring they always ask for something extra so it's never enough that uh, we just go through the formal education i would say and uh, magdalena can you tell us something about yourself now before we dig into these deep topics <laughs> of course my name is magdalena and i'm from germany and um yeah well, i've been living in iceland now for three years but i have been always coming back and forth before because um, like so many people from Germany, I came here for the Icelandic courses. So I've always been working here with horse rental and horse training and so on. But um, like my education is, I'm, I'm, I studied tourism studies and Spanish and economics. And I always wanted to go a little bit into the, the tourism direction and regional development. I've been born and raised in the countryside in Germany, in Bavaria, this is in South Germany. 
And I always wanted to be there. I mean, of course, for my studies, I always had to move to towns, but I always wanted to be in the countryside. And what I always thought was a kind of a pity that you were not taken for serious living there because you cannot do specific things. So it's so easy that people judge the countryside like, oh, okay, so you're going to university. Why Why do you like the countryside? Why do you come to the countryside? It's often a little bit like if the countryside was more stupid or less developed. And um, I think I've just had this in my mindset from very early on because my mother, she's also a regional development, um, or you say regional manager. And so we have had this discussion from very early years on. So this is also the reason why I went into the regional development, development because I want to do something for the place I love to live. And I think I just kind of brought this to Iceland because I was here and I was the horse training and I loved the horse training, but this was not enough for me. I wanted to go on with my academic studies and that's why I'm doing my PhD now in entrepreneurship and innovation in the Icelandic countryside with a focus on tourism. But for doing that, I had to move to Reykjavik. I could not stay in the countryside because, of course, of course, the university is here. But I think COVID showed us that everything can happen over Zoom now. But still, there's, it's so hard in the countryside to find hops or to find people that are doing something similar that you are doing. It's so hard to connect. I had to come to Reykjavik to be able to research about the countryside. And I think this sounds a bit weird. And this is where I want to, to kind of work on because the countryside is so inspiring. So I want to, I wanted to be able that I can be there doing my research and I know that I'm speaking in the name of many others. So this is, so, I mean, I'm not a teacher or something. I don't come from the educational sector, but I think this is still educating. It's kind of opening up and finding ways. What can we do to open up the countryside to be able to have teaching and education there? I think this is more my angle where I'm coming from. Yes, I agree. There's a kind of a gap. Yeah, there's a big gap between not not just in Iceland, but anywhere else that usually it's like these key cities that get uh, like fundings and that, that they get uh, main companies are there. And uh, then you have uh, these other parts that you just have to move in some place if you want to have some type of project or some type of experience and then learn uh, through that. That's so true, but I think the sad thing about this, and this is also what makes me a bit angry about this, is that like the, the the idea that people have about the countryside is that the mindset is not ready yet, but this is just not true. There's just not so much communication about this, and there's not so many hubs and systems and networks, so people don't really know about what's going on there. And I think this is something that has to be changed, because the countryside is probably more innovative than cities, because you have to be innovative if you live in the countryside. They don't have access to everything, so you have to find your own ways. And I think this is where we have to shed light on. So you both work on these projects that are that are making more possibilities, I would say, for uh, for innovation in the in the countryside and also for people that live there. So they don't, as I assume, they don't necessarily have to be like entrepreneurs to join projects like uh, hacking uh, Hakla, right? No, for sure not. I think this is just like for everybody living in the countryside or just in rural areas in general in Iceland that want to develop the, the homes further. And for the for the learning to happen there, I mean, I'm talking 
like I'm obsessed with this word, I know. <laughs> but uh, this is something that, uh, that inspires me a lot, that uh, there's always this learning factor and like challenging environment uh, and uh, coming up with solutions like Magdalena said, that they don't have a lot of resources, but there is a lot of space to do innovation, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of space and I think also there is, you know, there's so much inspiration you get in the countryside. So I think it's kind of, there's, I, I mean, I can only speak like from how I perceive things, but I have the feeling there's way more things going on because if you have an idea, you focus on this idea and you don't get so much distracted like you do in the city, you just follow your path. And I think this kind of is something where the learning process, I would call it, can start, but you kind of open up ways to be able to follow this innovation thinking and creating path in the countryside. Yes, that's true. And uh, when you think about the people that are in the city, for example, or in developed parts of the of the country and where there's more more minds, I would I would use that word maybe. And uh, you see the same things. And then you go, for example, in east of Iceland or in a different part of Germany, Serbia, any other country. And then there are new ideas. They see the world in a different way. And then those creative ideas just come together. But what I like about what you guys are doing, both of you, is that uh, you are making those communities have a chance and uh, explore and be better in uh, in their in their community and as a as a region right yeah but i think we can also only do this because we both have been living in rural communities for a long time so i think i think the problem in this whole thing is that so many people living in cities are making regional development plans what they think is best for the countryside but I think you have to know the vibes, you have to know the flow, and this is different everywhere. So I think you cannot kind of start a learning process without actually knowing how it feels to the people. Maybe they don't even want this. Yes, that's true. And um, what I would also comment is uh, sometimes because of because of that, that they just assume that something is going to work here and they assume that this part of uh, country needs this without actually going there and doing innovation. And you said uh, that you have to work on a project that is not in the city, but you just have to be in the city. Yeah, but I mean, for me, it was just because, you know, university and networks, I just had to kind of find my way into the scene and have to be there for, for meetings. And of course, I mean, I'm, I'm researching about entrepreneurship and how can I research about this if I don't enter the scene and I have to come to Reykjavik to do that, sadly. I mean, not anymore. Now I'm connected in the countryside, but to be able to find this starting point, I have to come to Reykjavik. I don't know if it would be different now in the COVID times, but also I think it's hard to kind of make initial uh, meetings on Zoom. I think you kind of have to be somewhere first to talk in person, have small talk and so on. Well, I mean, if we try to talk about this difference between the uh, city and the rural or remote areas from the point of view of education um, there is a lot of interesting things you see because in many cases the reason that people leave uh, villages and, and small towns is to go to university um, and then 
what a lot of people experience is that they've gone and got some degree or some capability and they don't feel like they have a place back home to use this knowledge. Um, and I think the core of the thing that we are dealing with now, whether it's like innovation or education as relates to, you know, countryside and city, is that there has been a shift in the in the in the economy where the importance of knowledge work or creative work is, is more than maybe um, production or getting raw materials or, or resources. Um, and we still have this divide between the countryside being the producer of food and in some cases industry and uh, all the sort of within quotes the smart uh, knowledge creative stuff going on in the cities and to a large extent this is because the universities were built up around the cities so if you want to equal the equalize this and level this out you need to find a way for people to be educated and participate in education without all having to move into one place. So it's, it's a really central question. The kind of rural, urban question of education. Exactly something that I like to talk about. I also come from a small uh, place in Serbia. And uh, for for us as a family, so me, my sister and my father, for us to to have more opportunities, we have to we had to move in a bigger city. And then you go from a city that has uh, 30,000 people to a city that has 300,000 people. And it, it's so obvious that they have a lot of um, a lot more opportunities to to succeed even. And then when you look at uh, things that are happening in the capital, there are even more possibilities. For example, in Serbia, in Belgrade, which has two and a half million people. And then in order to get to a good university or in a good company, they prioritize people that are close. They also uh, attend, let's say, if some company has like orientation. And of course, people that are very close, they're going to come. Essentially, it's the hierarchy of places, uh, which is sort of implicit in how people think and talk often. Uh, that the the advanced things are happening in the big cities and then it trickles down into the smaller places um, and I don't and we I don't think it has to be like that and it, it can be turned around um, it, yeah I mean some of these things are difficult to achieve with the paradigms that we have so if we if we want to have large universities with big campuses where there are like thousands of students that come and they go into buildings, that's only going to be in cities. But there are so many other ways to be educated that don't have to look like that. And so the, the design of how we do innovation is designed according to um, prioritizing cities. Yeah. 
Also, I think it's not about like like you say, Arten. Of course, the big universities, of course, there in the big cities. But also, I'm not sure how much exchange is happening there because everybody is kind of doing their own business. I think, and like you said, this doesn't have to be necessarily in the cities. I think it's about just having a conversation, and you can invite 20 people to have a discussion for a whole weekend into every place. I think this doesn't matter where this is. This is just where innovation starts. Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, let's just go off from that. So, yeah, East of Moon is involved in a few projects that are uh, very related to remote and rural areas. And that's not because East of Moon is set up to be just for remote and rural areas or that that's the only focus. Of course, it has to do a bit with my past that I was running an innovation hub in a remote place. But also, I feel that sometimes the interesting things are where nobody is or less people are looking. So if you want to be an innovative company or an innovative person, you can't be just following the same path as everybody else. And right now, with the innovation community, <laughs> the same path that everybody is going through is, is the city is Reykjavik. So it, it's a way to be looking at things differently or from a different um, angle is to position yourself somewhere else. So it's it's more to do with maybe um, a desire to be turning things on their head in general rather than just being about rural areas. Um, I like a, a guy called Paul Graham, who is um, sort of a thinker in terms of innovation and uh, an investor in Silicon Valley, and he sometimes says kind of uh, neat things. And he talks about how most new good ideas are heresy, or heresy meaning like you know back in the days when when the church was controlling everything, you, there were certain things you were just not allowed to say because they were just off limits. And it's the same thing with innovation. Um, all good ideas that are obviously good and everybody knows they're good, they've already been done. So you need to be going into territories where, um, you know, if, if you want to discover something new and something valuable, there has to be a good reason why somebody hasn't gone there before. So you need to be prepared to go somewhere where other people aren't going. <laughs> and, you know, right now for East of Moon, that, that's been exploring this dynamic of countryside and city. Um, secondly, the opportunities to improve and to grow are often where, you know, there isn't enough being done. So, um, a place where everything is, has been developed for decades, there's there's less space to improve. Um, so maybe the the less less traveled path now is is how to develop remote and rural communities. So I wouldn't say that um, East of Moon is just set out for that, and and we are interested in looking into all kinds of innovation and 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 explore things. 
Um, I've also been working a lot in sort of northern Arctic areas. Um, but wherever wherever things take us is is we will go. And um, I mean, it's a long answer. I'm I'm sorry, but but also just mentioning when we are looking at rural and remote areas and how to develop their innovation, innovative capacity and how to have uh, um, inclusive innovation. It, I think it's a, a question that goes so much beyond um, just remote areas in Iceland. I think as technology is progressing and industries are being disrupted and, um, and change, whether that's in, I'm sure there are examples in Europe or America or somewhere, um, new technology emerge, old ways of life become obsolete. Um, and then the question becomes, you know, what happens with the people who are at the losing end of this prog process? Are they just left to, you know, what happens when the fishing boats uh, <laughs> leave your village? Or what happens when coal mining is, is replaced by green technology? And what happens if your community is all about coal mining? Um, you know, what do you do? So uh, do you try to support everyone to keep up like an old way of life? You just leave them to fend for themselves and slowly everybody moves away, all the young people go and everything will <laughs> deteriorate? <laughs> or do you find ways for to empower communities to kind of carve their own new path and, and participate in this knowledge revolution and this innovation processes. So, so even if, so yeah, so for me and I guess for East of Moon, it's, it's about a lot more than the Icelandic countryside. It's, it's about like really fundamental questions of our, of our futures. Yes, I, I love your answer because uh, this is something that is not just happening in the field of innovation and entrepreneurship, it's happening everywhere around. And uh, it's not only enough to be, for example, talented. And we do have people that are talented. They just have to be in the environment that is going to foster their ideas and make them come up with something that is going to work. And you mentioned Paul uh, Graham, and uh, it instantly reminded me what you said uh, about him. I, I read a lot, and I, I love Saramago. He's my favorite writer. And he once said that uh, all the stories are the same, so everything is already said, but it's just the way how we say it that is going to make the story more interesting and in a different way. Yeah. If we work away from that quote by Saramago you could say isn't it necessary that everybody is telling the story or at least has a chance at, at telling the story and that's sort of what you know I or we would like to rebel against is that idea that the story is told in one place and, and the rest of the country is sort of just listening to it um, and I really think I, I also resonate with what you talk about, about, you know, everybody has a potential to be talented, but it's the environment they're in. And maybe now we're getting into your theme and topic, which is education, but it, it goes into innovation as well, which is, 
we can assume that people all over the world are roughly all you know everybody's capable of of being creative or resourceful like Magdalena was saying like a lot of the time people in the countryside have to be extremely resourceful they have to do with the limitations that they have but if we look at the world scene we see that the, the that that's very unequal like most of the technology we use is made in like california or or somewhere like that and and we're you know here we are using facebook and zoom and twitter and we're, we we kind of just have to use it the way they intended to you know we weren't part of making it and that's that's what uh what we reject more than being like pro countryside in general yeah, I liked uh, what you said, Arna, about this new path and the knowledge revolution. Uh, like you said, so many businesses, or like, like the coal mining, for example, just gradually stops, but there's still people living there, so they kind of have to deal with this. And of course, innovation has become a buzzword, but actually innovation just happens out of a need. Like when you don't have what you're always relying on, then you have to do something. And I think then innovation and education, they come into the game. I think also COVID shows us a lot. I mean, it's not the coal mining that's going, but COVID kind of took away the basic of many businesses. So the only thing you can do to not drown is to be innovative. It's also a form of educating yourself, I guess. In my research, for example, I'm researching about innovation in the tourism scene in rural Iceland. And tourism was dead this year, of course, in 2020. There was nothing happening. And um, first of all, I was worried and I thought that this kind of might affect my research that I can't really research about what I was actually planning to do. But then I turned it around and I asked my uh, interviewers, what did you do actually to adapt to these COVID situations? And so many awesome ideas popped up like um, tour operators offering car cleaning services because they have all the equipment and so many cool things. So everything, I think the best ideas come out of a need. And that's why the rural areas, they are so affected by this need because the rural areas change because of this fourth revolution technology taking over. So that's why I think it's so important to have to focus on rural areas and not because of the rural areas per se. Hi, hi, you reached the midpoint of the episode. We wanted to let you know that the mission of this episode is to connect learners and educators throughout the world, which is the same as Trainers Forum mission. And you can find more information about it on trainersforum.org. And if you want to connect more with our podcast, you can find us on Instagram on our new page, The Learning Experience, with a dot between each word. And also, all our social links are in the descriptions you guys of course like in the, in the institutions and in the politics regional development it's like these thoughts are like this that hey, there is potential and we have to use this but from my experience the people living there not everybody thinks like that especially not the older people they just want to survive and they don't care how they survive so for them this innovation thoughts even though they would never call it innovation only comes when they are about to drown and this is uh, exactly what you are doing with your project uh, Hacking Hecla, that you are going and uh, also helping these uh, communities and these parts of uh, Iceland to make their environment better and to work towards uh, a common goal, for example, in sustainability, 
in food industry. Is that right? Yes and no, because I think it's a bit too big when I when we say that we come there and help them, because I think we more like come there and connect and we come there and show everybody what is happening there already, because there's so much going on. Just there's the light has not been shed on this yet. And the connection between these people are not made or established yet in some point or some parts of the country. Because in Reykjavik, everything is so bundled. It's so easy to talk about the scene, but it's so hard to talk about the scene in the countryside and maybe similar projects are 300 kilometers apart. And actually, there would be a possibility to work together. So I think what we are doing is we come there and we kind of offer opportunities to make more out of that that's already there. And of course, also offering other people that have like, interest but didn't dare or didn't know yet how to approach this entrepreneur thinking or like just developing something, just offering them a way to join us. So I'm, I'm curious to know now uh, how, how, how everything started. What, how many people were at the beginning and how this uh, idea came to life? Mm, the Hacking Hackler, you mean? or Yes. Um, I mean, this idea actually was born um, because um, I'm doing my, my PhD in the University of Iceland, Innovation and Digital Innovation in the Icelandic countryside. And um, I think I mentioned this before, but I was still working in a horse training business and I already prepared my PhD, but I just didn't find a place where to sit down and get inspiration because when I was on the farm, of course, I was pretty busy with training and I was in this farm life and horse training life. So there was no inspiration for original development processes. And there was simply no place that was open for me to go and sit down and maybe connect and talk to people. So, and um, that's why this thought came up because um, where I'm from in Bavaria, um, a professor who is a friend of mine, he's running a rural hackathon there in Bavaria. And I always like this idea because most of the things are happening in Berlin or like this big German city. So I like this, that he's having a hackathon in the deepest Bavarian forest. So that's where this idea came up. Why not having something like that? Because then people could meet and then process could start. So this was actually this initiative that Hacking Hackler was born out. And then I started to reach out. I started to connect to the entrepreneur scene. This is where I met Artna, and this is where I met Svava, and Svava and me, we are running Hacking Hackler together now. So things developed then, but this was kind of the first spark and the first idea. Could we, could we talk about uh, collective learning? We mentioned that uh, at the beginning, and uh, I really like the idea that people come together and uh, and learn. What is what is happening? Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you can start. Um, I think collective learning. I think it, it depends. Like for example, when I just come back to my hacking hackler idea, this was just an idea I had. It was not shaped yet, or I didn't know where it's gonna go. I just I was just thinking about South Iceland when I first thought about this. But just by sharing, by talking in so many brainstorming sessions to friends like and people from the scene just constantly talking 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 then this idea developed and that's why hacking hackler is what it is now and still all of us we still keep on talking and there come new ideas every day so we're always getting a new shape in hacking hackler and i think this is what collective learning is 
that you maybe take a few people close into your project and with these people you're talking about like or deciding making decisions what it is about but like constantly getting input and feedback i think this is what collective learning is for me at least yeah i think there is um a thing to be explored there um you talk about collective learning and in the innovation scene we also use another word which is ecosystem so you see people talk about innovation ecosystems and this is that ecosystem and so forth and of course in biology we know an ecosystem is composed of a lot of different actors and they are you know there are trees and there are insects and birds and whatnot and it all has to exist to, to work together and we see the similar thing in ecosystems that <laughs> what's what matters is not necessarily individual companies or ideas but how in one place or in yeah let's say one ecosystem things start to emerge so we've seen many times in iceland where an individual company might start to exist and a lot of people start working in that company and then it might mm, go bust and stop existing but it doesn't really take anything away because the people who are working at the company they still are there and they've been and they have found each other and they have learned a lot of things and they still have the skills and and uh, and the knowledge that they acquire so they just go out and found different new companies so so what matters in innovation ecosystems is not necessarily individual stories but how collectively capacity is built and that's also goes back to how that has primarily happened in cities um, they have become like center of knowledge and learning and and development it's about you know there are definitely winners and losers in this in this game but but essentially innovation is a learning process where you know new ideas are born and and, uh, and one thing follows the other you know yes great i love that you made the connection with uh, with biology with ecosystems and which metaphors you're using and um, it, it's all true, like how how this innovation and uh, learning in, like overlaps one another and cannot go with one without the other. Uh, do we have something? Uh, we can talk about this for hours, I would say, because uh, um, I see that uh, we come from, let's say, different backgrounds, and we all have. Uh, similar thoughts and things to share as well. I just wanted to add but like one last thought but I think like everything like innovation, sustainability, digitalization, these are all buzzwords and I think they appear in every political discussion like in the last couple of years and most of everybody doesn't know what actually is standing behind these words but when we kind of put them in this learning process from at least from my point of view it's more like fulfilling a need to be able to survive because this kind of hits more the nail for the people living there because innovation is so open it's so abstract so 
So our task, like we, the regional development people, like working in the regional development and also educating in this, our task is to kind of break this down and split it up in small steps to make it accessible. Thank you so much for this. Uh, it was uh, it was so nice to talk with you too. Do we have some more closing remarks for this uh, part? No, just again, thank you for having us. And I think it's always nice having a discussion like this because then you get also new aspects because we were talking about like col uh, collective learning. And I think this is the same, just having a conversation, new seeds of thoughts are planted in your mind. It's so valuable. So thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, for me, I think uh, we 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 must meet again <laughs> and have and have some like uh, like conversation in a bar or somewhere where we can just uh, brainstorm and see how how these things are happening. And I'm so happy that uh, I I got to talk with you for for the podcast. Yeah. Let same here, same here. Thank you for having us.